Namdi Obizor and Josh Hoover spoke to the media yesterday about the 2024 TCU Horned Frogs. Has their mentality changed? What did they learn from last year? Coaching changes and more. And man, TCU basketball, brutal loss to Texas Tech, up 10 with under five minutes left. And they fall at Red Raiders 82 81. All that and more coming up next here on Locked On Horned Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked On Horned Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts and it's audio variety. Uh, some TCU football players had media availability yesterday. Linebacker Namdi Obizor and quarterback Josh Hoover spoke with the media. And Namdi talked about some changes on the defensive coaching staff, namely Andy Avalos coming over as defensive coordinator as Joe Gillespie was let go after the season, after a rough year for the defense. He talked about the changes, what he's excited about. And so they asked him about, um, you know, talking to Andy Avalos, what the conversation was like when he got there. He's moving from the Sam linebacker to the Will linebacker. He thinks it's going to be a good change. And he also said that uh, they're not really playing the traditional 3-3-5 now that they were last year. They're playing a more advanced defense. They think is going to help translate them to the next level. These quotes, by the way, come in courtesy of Jeremy Clark of Horn Frog Blitz, the 247 uh, affiliate for TCU coverage. What excites you about playing in this defense? Nomdi said, I'd say the ability for everyone to move around and play multiple positions. We have D linemen dropping into coverage, safeties blitzing, corners blitzing. Once we figure out and lock down the defense, it's going to be hard to stop. So we, we talked a lot about this since Andy Avalos has been hired. What are some of the main differences with what he's doing, his philosophy, as opposed to Joe Gillespie? And I think the biggest difference, and this is not, I've said this before, it's not a super high bar to clear because of the lack of blitz. The lack of blitz is a lack of aggressiveness that Joe Gillespie brought to the table. But this is going to be a more aggressive defense. Now, there's some risk-reward with that. Like, there's a, a chance that you give up some big plays. But one thing that Avalos seems to do well is he's changing up looks, he's changing up coverages, he's constantly throwing different things at an opposing offense, at an opposing quarterback, so that they can't get a good read on what TCU is going to do. And I feel like one of the big issues last year was it was just pretty clear that TCU was going to play pretty conservatively on defense and try to keep things in front of them and try to you know rally the ball and make tackles. And even in the back end, because of the lack of pressure and the inability to get the quarterback off their spot or move them around the pocket – or rush decisions, there were still coverage busts. There were still a lot of plays where guys were getting behind the defense and having big receptions. I mean, we all watched the Oklahoma game where really, unless Dylan Gabriel turned the ball over, the defense couldn't get a stop. Even when the offense kind of got back in the second half and got it going, the defense just simply could not find a way to get Oklahoma off the field. And because of that, the team suffered. And so there's going to be some changes this year. Now, I will say I would expect – some growing pains with learning some different responsibilities. And it probably means you are going to give up some big plays from time to time. And I think especially early in the season, there could be some coverage busts. There could be some situations where guys are still trying to figure out what their responsibilities are, what their role is, what the defensive identity is, how to handle different things. 
and you know that could lead to some breakdowns. But the other side of that coin is there's potentially you know a surprise factor with this as well. Obviously, coaches are smart. There's so much film now, so they're going to watch a lot of Boise State tape, a lot of Oregon tape to get ready for what they're going to see from TCU. But still, seeing this personnel grouping and these guys execute it is going to be different, and I assume Avalos is going to add some wrinkles to it as well. So I think all that is going to be positive for this team. And you're talking about a defense that have athletes all over the field, and hopefully they can use that speed and athleticism um, to make things happen and put their defensive linemen in good one-on-one situations. I mean, you hope this is a big year for Paul Wally. You hope this is a big year for Dominic Williams. Um, and, and Marcus Deal and Devin Deal and Cooper McDonald and the guys coming off the edge. The, the hope is that you put them in favorable one-on-one matchups where they can win those battles against the offensive linemen and pressure the quarterback because the best way to disrupt a QB and disrupt an offense is to constantly throw off the timing in the passing game and just hit the QB and make him know, like, hey, we're here, we're coming after you. Um, and so I think that's going to be a big thing for the defense this year. He also talked about Caleb Alarms or the Cal transfer, who's a, he says is a great player for us. He's working really hard, working hard in the weight room. They're pushing each other. Um, and then Namdi went on to talk about this, and Josh Hoover mentioned this as well. He was asked, what do you think went wrong last year? He said, I have to say accountability. I feel like there were certain people on the team who did their jobs. I feel like everybody there wasn't everybody, 11 on offense, 11 on defense. There were some people that weren't completely – bought in um, it's important in football for everybody have the same mindset to win games so interesting quote there and I, I don't think it's shocking I mean we talked throughout last year about how it just felt like that was a, a team that wasn't totally on the same page I expected them to come out really hungry after that national championship appearance and especially given the way the national title game went down I just figured they would be ready to respond to that and you know, really throw down this year and, and, and this past year and show that last season wasn't a fluke. And they didn't – honestly, they just didn't do that. And I, I I will say this. I think it's much easier. It's not an easy task. But when you're having success, it's much easier for everybody to have continuity and get on the same page and have the same mentality. Now, there's dangers with success too. I mean, Nick Saban talked about it for years. He called it rat poison. The idea of reading your own press clippings, that's a pretty outdated phrase. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like getting in your head about, oh, man, we're so great. We don't have to put the work in anymore. We can just get out there and roll out the ball and win games. That's a danger if you get arrogant about it. But what that 2022 team did so well, seemingly, was they got together and they were like, all right, let's lock in. Like We, we can't look forward. We can't. Think about playoffs and all the different things that we could do. We have to think about this week. Take the task at hand. Take it one day at a time. All those cliches are cliches because they're true. And they did a great job balancing that. Last season, we saw a team that faced a lot of adversity, not only from an injury standpoint and just from kind of a outside noise standpoint, but also just losing games. I mean, they immediately played. That game against Colorado the first weekend because of the Coach Prime factor was Probably the most watched college football game, one of the most watched college football games of the year, but definitely that weekend in particular. All eyes were on Colorado. What are they going to do? And TCU was the unfortunate byproduct of a, of a bad loss against the Buffaloes. And they actually bounced back kind of nicely over the next three weeks. But I think that game just sort of set the tone 
for a lot of the season in that, man, this team thought they were really good. They thought they were going to come in and wreck shop, and then immediately they kind of get hit in the mouth. And how do you recover from that? So I'm not in the locker room. I don't know how much that's changed this year, but it was intriguing to hear him say that not everybody was bought in last season. There has to be better accountability. Um, and, again, I think part of that comes down to winning and losing. Like if you're winning games, it's it's easier to keep everybody going down the same path and keep that accountability at a high level. I feel like when you start losing, it's a lot easier um, for people to check out. He was also asked how you would assess the mindset of the team as a whole right now. It's He said, I'd say for the most part we're all on board, but there's still a few people who are deciding if they want to be on the ship or not. I feel like this winter and spring ball will be good for people deciding what they want to do. So also an interesting quote there. Not sure exactly what he's talking about. I would expect guys to hit the transfer portal after the spring just because that's how it is. And not even in like a, hey, we're quitting way, just in I feel like the team's going to make some hard decisions. Some players have to make some hard decisions based on where they're at from a playing time perspective, what it looks like, whether or not they're going to get going to get on the field this year. And so that will lead to some guys moving on and saying, okay, I'm going to try um, somewhere else. You know, all this talk about mentality and accountability, I, I don't want to dismiss what anybody's saying. I hope that it's better. It's just one of those things, though, that we're not really going to know until the, the game start. Like until it's live and real and the whistle blows, we're not going to have an idea of um, what this team's mindset is and how committed they are to doing the work and doing the small things, the intangible things that it takes to win. They can say it all they want. And I mean, they're going to say all the right things. I hope that they will. Um, that's what you want to hear, but it, it's really going to be proven whether or not that's right when they actually play. So that was Namdi Abizor. Uh, Josh Hoover also talked to the media about a lot of different things. He said spring workouts have been good. Feels like there's great energy with the team. Everybody um, is coming together and we're excited about it. Guys are working hard, showing up and doing their job. That's what it's going to take. He was asked about all the different players that have come in and how they've adapted. Um, he said it feels like guys have just come in and they're doing uh, just what they need to do. Um, when you have guys that are good people and themselves, if they want to be part of a team, that's always good. It makes the transition smooth and fast. So one thing that we've discussed is kind of this pivot that TCU had this, this offseason in the portal and the types of guys that they're evaluating and adding to the team. And a couple of years ago, it was a lot of players from Power 5 schools that maybe – didn't have the best production at their last stop for whatever reason. Some of it was injury-related. Some of it was just not seeing the field. And they did do some of that this year. But a lot of the core guys that they brought in, Eric McAllister, Devin Deal, um, Cooper McDonald, uh, Cade Bennett, Carson Bruno, are players that played a lot of snaps and were super productive at their last stop in you know a group of five setting maybe. But they've played a lot of college football. And so the hope is with those veteran guys – they'll be able to get into the system relatively quickly, understand exactly what they're going to do, and just get after it. And you're not going to have to have a lot, spend a lot of time trying to get them up to speed and uh, get going on in that aspect. So hopefully that's the case. And I do think that's, you know, a, a positive of this offseason. He was also asked about how comfortable he is um, going into year two with Kendall Bryles. And he says he's a lot more comfortable than he was last spring. Um, he said he was actually thinking about this the other day. This is the first season since he's been in college that he hasn't had to learn a new offense. Um, and so on offense, they've added some things and taken some things away and adjusted that. But it's 
much easier than learning a whole new system, verbiage, terminology, all those things. So, I mean, I think this is something that uh, we'll see how much they grow this year. Obviously, the, the big key is going to be how efficient can they be in scoring opportunities. You have to find a way to score in the red zone. You have to find a way to keep drives going, get first downs, and not leave your defense out to dry, especially with the pace that TC is going to be playing at. And I would expect that speed to maybe even be a tick faster if they want to commit to that, given the fact that they should have a better understanding of this offense. Now, one interesting part of this is you have a number of offensive linemen coming in who this is their first year in the program and they're going to be expected to start. So there will be some learning, some getting up to speed in that regard. But by and large, yeah, a lot of these guys are returning and should have a good feel at least for what they are expected to do, what they need to do um, to be effective and to get on the field. So I think that's going to be a good thing for this team. And, you know, Josh Hoover, I feel like he kind of knows he's the dude. Like there's a competition with Ken Seals and Haas Haney, but it's his job to lose. He seems like he's taking a more of a leadership role and, uh, that's going to be a good thing for this team. I think they respond well to him. Um, the body language is good. They seem to care about him. They seem to rally behind him. And you need that from your quarterback if he's going to be one of the leaders on your team. Finally, they also asked Josh about accountability. He said, you have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to have the courage to say things that are hard. And that's part of being a leader. It's not easy to be a leader. If it was, everyone would be one. And, yeah, I mean, it's totally a relational thing. Like, those guys are going to listen to people that they respect. So if the people they respect and care about are moving the needle and pushing everyone to be like, all right, we have to be accountable. We have to work hard. We have to do things on our own to get to a place where um, we're playing at a high level and we're back to where we want to be. And I do think one thing that I kind of overlooked going into last year it really was a grind for that group, like especially the coaching staff. I mean, they basically, since they came over from SMU, were working around the clock. Uh, and then the season went into, you know, late January, essentially, immediately hit the transfer portal cycle, then signing day, and then off season and back to spring ball. So maybe that reset, even though I hate they missed a bowl game and they didn't get to play, you know, in the postseason. Maybe that reset could be a good deal. One from just a wake-up call perspective, from the idea of, all right, we we can't be complacent here. We can't sit on our hands. We have to find a way to get better. But also the idea of just getting some rest and recuperation um, and maybe having a, a clear mind and a clear mindset going into this next season. When we come back, TC basketball. We're in a great position last night, up 10 with about five minutes to go. And then everything unraveled, and they ended up losing to Texas Tech. That's coming up here on Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. Game time. It's the best place to go for tickets. If you need tickets to TCU basketball, TCU baseball, or if you're in the Fort Worth area, um, or really any big city, major city, where there's comedy shows, theater productions, all sorts of cool events going on, game time is the best place to find uh, the tickets that you need. You can use the promo code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. So download the app today. Use that promo code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. No secret fees with Game Time. That's one thing I love about it. You click on the tickets that you're going to get, and they immediately tell you the total. Now, yeah, there are some servicing fees. There's some things involved with it, but they they give you the total that you're going to pay. It's not like you click on it and you're like, oh, two 
$5 tickets. It's going to be $10. They tell you right there, okay, it's going to be a little more than that, but here's exactly what you're going to pay if you go ahead and make this purchase right now. Also, you can see what your view is going to be like from your seat. They have a picture there. This is what you'll be looking at from your seat on the Game Time app. Download it today. Use the promo code Locked On for $20 off. Again, any kind of event, sporting events, comedy shows, concerts, whatever you're into, use the Game Time app. And they're the best place for last-minute deals. So if you're not the best planner or if you just kind of find something late in the game, you're like, oh, somebody's coming to town that I want to see. Here's only a couple days until the show. Surely I can't get tickets. Game Time has last-second flash deals, even up to an hour into the event. You can buy a ticket through Game Time. So make sure you go there today. Download the app. Use that promo code Locked On for $20 off. Game Time, the best secondary ticketing app out there and proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. So I'm watching TCU basketball last night, and they fall to Texas Tech 82-81. to had a 10-point lead late in that game, couldn't hold on. And when TCU loses, especially the basketball team, in that fashion, there's a lot of discussion about Jamie Dixon, his coaching tactics, totally get it. The interesting thing to me about last night was, and it's just one thing about this team that I feel like has honestly been their biggest issue. They struggled in the half court on offense late in that ball game. But I thought for the most part, they actually got some pretty good looks. They just weren't hitting shots. Now, one thing that hurts them late in games, they don't have a true go-to score. And the reality is they really struggle to run their offense through their guards late in ball games. Like Jameer Nelson Jr., Avery Anderson, they've been good at times. Avery Anderson had a really good night. He had his best game in a while last night. I think he scored 15 points um, and was pretty efficient shooting the basketball. But – yeah, he had 15 in 27 minutes on the 6-13 from the field. But late in ball games, they just don't have a go-to guy that can create off the bounce. And so what they end up doing, they run a lot of ISO looks for – they've been doing this with Micah Peavy lately who struggles at times, even though he kind of came on late in that ball game. They'll try to get Emmanuel Miller isolated. They'll get Jacoby Coles involved. But I think that's the the – biggest issue on offense with this team. And free throw shooting has been a problem. Even though last night they missed some critical free throws, it ended up only being four. But, you know, lose a one-point game, that's a big deal. Uh, And Micah missed two free throws um, where he got fouled going up to shoot. But Jacoby Coles actually got the rebound and put it back up off the glass and got it in. And so it kind of canceled it out. The main issue last night, Texas Tech, I saw this from Emory Lida, who used to uh, host Locked On Texas Tech and still follows the Red Raiders pretty closely. The Red Raiders did not take a shot outside the paint in the last seven minutes of the ball game. The last seven minutes of the ball game, all their shots were inside the paint. And it was smart. TC was in the bonus. So every time they got fouled, they were going to the line. And Toussaint and Isaacs, they were just – breaking guys down off the bounce, getting in the lane. They did a nice job finding uh, dudes that were cutting to the rim, finding backdoor cuts. And no team in the country gets beat on more backdoor cuts than the TCU Horn Frogs. But the biggest issue last night for me was the defense. They just could not get stops late. And, yeah, the offense, if you blow a 10-point lead, you also go in a drought offensively. And that's been a, a consistent issue with this team, late in games especially, they struggle to score in the half court. They struggle to get good looks. And I would love to see some more creative offensive sets, but I just also think 
they have they don't have they don't always have the individual playmakers in those tough situations. They do it in transition really well. And I think, you know, kind of earlier in games when there's not as much pressure, they can do it. But they don't have they don't always have great options when it comes to okay, we gotta find a way to get a bucket. Other teams playing tight defense. How do we break it down and, and get there? But defensively, just falling asleep at the wheel, allowing so much dribble penetration, allowing guys to cut, you know, back door, allowing guys to cut to the rim, giving up offensive rebounds. And it's, I mean, it's your your dudes that you count on, like Emmanuel Miller. And I love Emmanuel. Like, I think he's outstanding. He's been a consistent player for the Frogs for years. But he allows, you know, Toussaint comes in on the dribble and he allows somebody to cut behind him and get an easy layup. And then offensively, he just wasn't super effective um, in that ball game late. And it just all kind of imploded on them. And it was a tough loss. I, I said after the game, I think it replaced the Cincinnati ball game with, you know, dumbest loss of the year. And look, Texas Tech's a good basketball team. They're in the top 25. They are 8-5 and five in conference after that win. TCU's now 7-6. and six. <clears throat> They're not a bad team. Cincinnati in a vacuum, not a bad team. I think they're on the first four out line in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology uh, breakdown, even though Joe seems to have a, a big dislike for the Frogs. But, yeah, they're not a bad team. It's tough to win in Lubbock, all the things. However, 10-point lead late like that, you have to find a way to close it out. Same kind of thing happened against Cincinnati. Just could not create in the half court. Late in the ball game, <clears throat> defense failed them, and then ended up going to overtime, and you lose. And I don't – I mean, the only thing – so they were down by one, you know, down by three, and they kept trying to extend the game with fouls. The only thing on the last possession I didn't really understand, and it's a – I mean, it's a bang-bang thing happening in the moment. But Jameer Nelson shot a three, and he airballed it. He's trying to tie the airball. Jacoby Coles had the rebound. With about two seconds left. And he ended up putting up a layup and uh, making the shot. But if, if he could have it back, I wonder if he could find somebody, if he could kick it out and find somebody for a, a last-second three, last-second heave to maybe tie that game up. It didn't work out. I did think, you know, there were a couple instances in that ball game. They almost got Tech on a 10-second violation. Um, and Texas Tech got a timeout late that, that bailed them out. And then coming out of that timeout, I thought – I can't remember who it was. I think it was maybe Peavy. But I thought Peavy had a clean steal, and they called a foul. And it's one of those things where late in a game like that, they're going to be pretty quick with the whistle because they know the other team's trying to foul to extend it. But, man, I wish the refs would have let that play out. And, yeah, there were some other questionable things. Emmanuel Miller got a flagrant one that – TC leads the country and elbowing people in the face. It's just like accidental elbows to the face has been an all-time high with this crew. And in three losses, it's just killed them, you know, in close ball games. But had had some chances, had some chances to push that lead out and finish off Texas Tech and just could not do it. You come back and you play Cincinnati. And, you know, Joe Lenardi has them, I think, lower than they should be in tournament seeding. I don't feel like if this team finishes 500 in the Big 12, which means you win two more games in the regular season, then I think they're going to be a lock to get in. But, again, the question is, can you avoid, you know, being a 10 seed, being an 8 seed, or being a 9 seed? And these are the types of games that keep you from doing that because it's winnable. It's right there for you. Yeah, it's tough. It's difficult. 
Um, Texas Tech's good, but that was a very winnable ball game that they just could not find a way to get it done down the stretch. So, unfortunate loss for TCU basketball. When we come back, we'll talk about the baseball team that actually won last night's their 4 0 that's coming up here in Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. FanDuel, I've been telling you about them all year long, and they've got a great deal going on, as they always do. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on, put down a $5 bet. If you win a $5 bet, you just got to win one $5 bet. You get up to $150 in bonus bets. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet at fanduel.com slash locked on. You can also download the FanDuel app. Second half of the NBA season about to get started, so you can bet on those games just on the money line, on player props, all sorts of opportunities at FanDuel. Um, FanDuel.com slash locked on. MLB's right around the corner. College baseball going on right now. FanDuel, it's where the game starts. Get $150 in bonus bets with one $5 bet. FanDuel.com slash locked on or download the FanDuel app today. TCU baseball took on Texas State on Tuesday night, a midweek affair, and they won that ball game six to five. So a couple things that stood out to me. Uh, from that win. One, I saw Kirk Sarloos told Jamie Plunkett from 247 Sports after the game, Brody Green is your starting third baseman for now. So they started the year with Ryder Robertson, uh, the freshman at that spot. He had kind of a rough go defensively. And then uh, Jack Basser also struggled defensively on, in the Sunday game. So they put Brody in there about midway through on Sunday. He had a couple infield hits. Um, then last night he had a double. And he had a single with the bases loaded that drove in a couple of runs to push lead to five to nothing. Uh, and then he had um, some good – he's just been playing solid defense over there. So congrats to Brody Green. I know Brody was a guy that had like a good fall camp and things kind of slowed down for him in the spring and he fell out of uh, good standing, but got his opportunity and did the job. So really nice job by him to go ahead and get that done. Uh, ben Abelt shut the door uh, in a 6-5 victory. Ben Hampton had a pretty good start. He got into the fifth inning um, and only gave up one run through four innings, ran into some trouble in the fifth, and so Luis Rodriguez came on after Ben gave up a couple of runs. But overall, four-plus innings, three runs, pretty solid effort. I think Ben's going to be a, a great option to have on Tuesday nights if he doesn't push his way into the rotation at some point. But um, it's just a luxury to have a vet like that pitching on Tuesdays. This offense continues to be good. They're kind of streaky. They scored most of their runs early in that ball game. They did push across one run, I think, in the eighth. Um, and then Chase Brunson, who's had a great start to the year, he, he did make a pretty crucial mistake. Two outs, nobody on. He dove for a ball in center field, just whiffed on it, went all the way to the wall, and it led to an inside-the-park home run for Texas State that cut the lead to 6-5. to five. That was a freshman mistake, but, you know, those things happen. Got with two outs there, nobody on yell at that ball. Just drop in front of you and limit them to a single. Um, Chase Hoover pitched well in a relief appearance. Luis Rodriguez did a nice job, and then A-Belt came in and closed the door. So UCLA this weekend uh, for the baseball team should be a good matchup. Like what I'm seeing so far, I mean, the games have been stressful. They've had some pitching issues. Bottom line is they're 4-0 against Florida Gulf Coast team that had a really good year last season against Texas State, which has become a very good program under former TCU third baseman Stephen Trout. So all around good effort by the Frogs so far and a chance to continue the good vibes when they take on a ranked UCLA team Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Be excited to see how they handle their business 
uh, against the Bruins. We'll be back tomorrow. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. It's Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day.